What's up, what's up, Committed Society coming with another podcast. Hopefully everybody's doing great. Um, I missed the last couple of podcasts. Um, I know I was going to do one last Thursday. However, uh, tough times last week, so I decided to skip it just to get my mind right and stuff like that. But it's a new week, a new start of the week. Um, We're going to get this going. Um, Like I said, every Tuesday, we're going to go through the book, The Finding of the Third Eye. Um, We're almost done with this book. A couple more chapters left. Um, and what we're going to get to today, um, actually we're halfway through. I'm not going to say we're almost through, halfway through. <laughs> um, but hopefully everybody's doing great. Hopefully everybody's enjoying this book. Uh, once again, The Finding of the Third Eye by Vera Stanley Alder. Uh, we're on chapter seven right now. It's going to be called Birth, Sleep, and Death. Um, so like I said, um, you know, things are going great. Uh, reading towards this book um, we should be done pretty soon halfway we're halfway done uh, let's check yeah halfway done and hopefully um, and anybody who had a chance to purchase this book purchase it um, read it with an open mind and um, let's get the party started as we have proceeded to explore life along these lines it has appeared to grow more and more complicated indeed many people draw back with feelings of resentment it will say it's not necessary to know all the things So far, I have managed very well without them. The simple Christian faith is sufficient for me. Now, before I keep reading, like I said, you have to read this book with an open mind. Um, I believe the lady who did write this was Christian, so that's her religion, that's her faith, and if that's what she wants to believe, that's that's what she wants to believe. Um, I'm not here to convert anybody to any religion. Uh, The person who wrote this book, you can get knowledge from anybody, from any religion, any, any background. Um, get the knowledge, and if you want to run away, run away and take it. <laughs> but back to the to the book. Such people will probably hate the idea of living again on this earth. They are interested neither in the future development of mankind nor in the service which they might contribute to it. In this way, they show us they are possibly still the victims of moral laziness. They are not yet prepared to think deeply or seek new ways of helping and achieving. They wish to be left in peace in the groove in which they have been brought brought up. Nor is it good to endeavor to persuade them otherwise. They are probably doing well, very well at their present stage, even possibly better than those who are so anxious to teach them other ways. There are plenty who are eager for further knowledge and who need to know persuading. Let us continue our explorations with these latter ones and consider more deeply the phenomenon of man's existence, his birth, his growth, his sleep, and finally his death. It has been said that man is born unfinished. He is born at the ninth month, the finished number being 12. And certain it is that the young of the human are the most helpless of all. Throughout the chapter we will study the human being in this fullness, fullest sense that is say with the seven interpretation bodies as being explained. We are told that birth of the physical body precedes that. Of the, body, of the other bodies, each one of these is in, intimately connected with one of the seven principles endocrine glands. We can't do no more than touch on the intricate subject here. In order to give point to our argument, up to the age of seven, the average child has only completed control of his physical body. The rest of his faculties being in, 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 I don't know what the hell he's trying to say. The rest of the faculties being imitative or dormant in court of law and child is not considered punishable until after seven years of age. After the first cycle of seven years, we are told that the etheric body is born or comes under positive control. 
The Ichis govern growth and the memory. There are two functions most prominently active during the next seven years. At the age of 14, the astral or emotional body is said to come into birth. That governs the emotions, the desires. So this age of puberty and unrestrained emotions up to 14 years and child has been dominated by thymus gland in which was bequeathed a store of red blood corpuscles by the mother. This gland should become recessional by the age of puberty at which time the child has begun to the ma- manufacture its own blood. The body is known to be the seat of the ego, which the blood, I mean, the blood is known to be the seat of the ego, which can then begin to control the young person who becomes conscious at the time of his individuality. From now on, guidance instead of authority must be ruled. The adrenal glands, which come into dominance at puberty, help to develop the individual driving force as well as the brain power. They are said to be the glands of fight and fright. Under their government, there is extreme sensitivity to fear and anxiety. These tendencies arouse a need for some kind of religious belief to give reassurance. So we find that during these years, there is often great emotional piety. The end of the third cycle of seven years sees the birth of the mental body so that the 21 years of age the individual has reached an important epoch in his life. He has accomplished the completion of three lower bodies of man, physical, emotional, and mental. He has developed into the complete human being from ordinary standpoints and is considered to have reached the majority in the state of manhood from from then onwards. If men developed as he could and should be, every further seven years we should, we should see the birth of new quality or power of a kind more subtle and less easily described here. Finally, we come to the magic number of 7 times 7, and man has reached the age of 49. It is here, therefore, that we can expect the flowering of his greatest power and equality. Sure enough, we are told that it is the age that he is high mind should come into birth, giving him subtle capacity for the highest and loftiest achievement. The pituitary body and pineal gland should now cooperate to use the sum of his life experience for new creative ideas, deductions, and philosophies. Therefore, at this age, it would be indeed be well if men could retire from all mechanical routine work and concentrate on giving to this world his contributions in the way of schemes for the better of mankind and the various inspirations resulting from experience. As he could still have expectations of life for another 50 years, this will allow him close on half of a century of potent fulfillment and living. Such would be the program of the perfect man or woman who was able to live up to his or her potentialities. But at the present time, many people dissipate their energy and strength to such an extent while young that they never reach the flowering of the greatest faculties at all. They live and die without ever testing the ultimate joys and triumphs of human existence. They are never able to feel that they have made any knowledge really their own, that they know that any fundamental fact of life what they are, what they hear, what the progress in life live, oh, they live always like the man who says, the only certain thing in life is doubt. They admit their dark ignorance by scoffing at the bare possibility of such knowledge, refusing to see that right down the ages there have been vast accumulation of circumstantial evidence compiled for their own heritage and benefits. They continue to muddle along intermab- interminably into their stagnant grooves. Such laziness makes men willing to be blind to the fact that his, great contri- his greatest contributions of value to the world can be experienced after he is 50. 
Therefore, he does not husband his mental and his physical strength. To the end, he should realize that the inspired production of the higher mind gives the intense joy fulfillment than which there is no glor- greater glory. The fact that man, the fact that many people are half exhausted wrecks by the age of 50 and other much before and other much before that is disgrace to progress and modern education. And one proof of prevailing ignorance is the people are not sensible of this disgrace. When healing the sick, Christ said, they, Thy sin is forgiven, thee pointing out very definitely the disease is outward manifestation of wrong thinking. But we have not yet taken the hint. We are still proud to tell of our disease, unaware that we are giving away the unclean and unkempt conditions of our minds. In the future, people will feel ashamed of letting down the community by becoming unwell. A man, a man will be as unwilling to admit to having a cold as he is now is to confess to a death. Now, let me break. Let me let me say something real quick. Uh, this, um, I know, with the whole um, feminist movement in this book, she used man, but when she used man, it, it means both male and female, and if you have something to say about that, then that's your own problem, that's your own situation, um, if you think, she, and it's a female writing this, but as you can see, it, it was written a long time ago, so she used man for man and woman. The present general ill health is irresponsible for men irregularities in the development of the glands. Some of them do not recess when they should, and so, and so a childish and unmoral state continues in the, growth, in the growing youth. Unbalance of the glands causes some of them predominate too early to compensate for weakness in others. This produces geniuses. We are for that reason often prone to epilepsy and other abnormalities. The ancients understood the connection between the glands and the subtle world of nature. It will be happy day when the knowledge is revised by modern scientists. Let us next consider the common but marvelous phenomenon of sleep. There is a vast accumulation of data providing that ego or individual cannot, can and does leave the body during sleep. The blood recedes from the brain which can no longer function, yet much mental activity may take place. Together with many authentic experiences of faraway places, a person can, during sleep, solve intricate problems which have beaten him during the day. He can also tell the time and awaken at any hour. Describe, decide upon he can function in the complex world of happiness which he calls dream. We are, we are told that it, if the ego leaves the physical body during sleep, he does so clothed in his mental and astral bodies in which he is mobile as electricity. The physical body is left on, the physical body is left enveloped in his etheric body or double the counterpart of the human body formed of condensed ethers, throughout which life forces are fed to to the tissue from surrounding ethers. Man's various bodies are linked together by a vital elastic cord operating rather than an electric current without the wire. The cord is a kind of umbilical cord which joins the ego and his vehicle to the part of Mother Earth which is physical body. When it snaps is born into the afterlife, we say then he is dead. The cord is referred to the Bible as the silver cord. As long as it interacts the traveling ego, is able to get back into his body and surely as telephone messages can travel along the wire. We are told that the only difference between life and death is sudden sundering of his sub, subtle, subtle link which binds a person to his physical body. A strong desire to see a friend may often take the sleeper to see the friend who may be either awake in his physical body or himself traveling while sleep is in the astral realm. 
In the way it's said, many important meetings and actions are re- rehearsed by people concerned days before the, they occur. This will explain why one often has the feelings of knowing just what is going to be said or done. It is possible in the way that many prophes- prophecies are given. In this connection, we should notice the extreme significance which all ancient nations attached to dreams. The power clearly to remember one's dream was cultivated ashadisely by the priesthood as we also the ability to counter, to interpret the dream in a depth and these matters was held in the highest esteem by the nation whose affairs was regulated according to the instructions or prophecies so given. Joseph of the Old Testament was such a chaste, cheating, or incompetence in those matters was heinous crime. Josiah of the Bible was told that false dreamers should be put to death. Alexander the Great spoke of dreams as the greatest chance man has of acquiring knowledge. Martin Luther said that the current translation of he given his beloved sleep is he given that his beloved sleep during sleep. The whole history of the Bible as we as many other ancient histories revolves around the importance of vision, prophecies, and dreams. What are we doing now about the interesting activity which takes up nearly a third of our living hours? The first step would be to obtain through concentration and practice to clear recollections of our dreams. To do this is necessary to try visualize the astral plane as it really is. This is difficult because once we are free in the astral world, conditions are utterly different than around the pulsate the living malleable astral stuff which is free from the laws of gravitation and which would itself at once into form unto impedious of its mind. If we want a horse for example we involuntarily and rapidly build one without thought and it only such a horse as power vis- visualization and observation can produce. So we are told that at night the astral realms are people with sleepers surrounded by their dreams or creations which are sometimes ludicrous in the incompleteness of the conception. Apparently a person can therefore either actually meet his friend in sleep or converse with his own conception of his friend which he has created. How near his, he gets to his desire opens an extent of his concentration and willpower. I lost the spot. Uh. Oh, I think I left. I forgot where <laughs> I forgot where I left off. Another condition of the astral world is that many things can be happening in the same spot without being aware of one another, as is were. The different grades or vibrations of astral stuff going through the interpreting without losing their separate identities. In much of the same way as when its physical bodies can walk right right through and go. Here we enter the realm of the fourth dimension. If we have had no personal experience of it, we can only understand it by studying the thousands of descriptions given to us throughout history by those who had. The jar of returning from their subdular realms into the heavy vibrations of physical bodies at the moment of awakening. 
usually shatters the memories of our experience, we retain at best a jumbled and inconsequent translation of our dream. This is where the need of training comes in. We should concentrate on exercising a strong grip upon ourselves at the instant of awakening. By this simple expedient, we may seem learn, soon learn consciously to profit by our nightly experience. Also before sleeping, we should tune our minds to our highest aspirations as this will determine the realms we are able to reach. If the mind is clogged with petty earthly considerations such as the price of food or a quarrel with a neighbor, its owner is naturally drawn to the same type of vibrations when the sleep is astral world. Wow, I have to read that one more time. That, that paragraph right there, remember this is the secret before the secret. Also before sleeping, we should tune our minds into highest aspirations as this will determine the realms we are able to reach. If the mind is clogged with petty earthly considerations such as the price of food or a quarrel with a neighbor, its owner is naturally drawn to the same type of vibrations when asleep in the astral world. Dope, right there, that that right there, that I need to remember that. <laughs> Let us now consider that what is said to happen when death has snapped the silver cord and the person is finally separated from the, his physical body. We are told that often it may take a little while for the individual to realize that he is dead. But for some time prior to this, he is, has been building in the after stuff the kind of heaven or afterlife to which he aspires. Of course, thousands build a heaven with golden streets and angels playing on harps. These numberless living thought forms cohere by the law of attraction into one great whole so that conventional heaven is actually there awaits its owner. Those who expect because of their guilt, hellfire and goblins have created the charming receptions for themselves also. The miser will probably have made for this his use of heaven a fool of nothing but gold pieces. The eastern pasha will certainly get his paradise of Horus. The disbeliever in afterlife will have created for him a horrible blank abyss. We are told then that people remain imprisoned in a self-constructed paradise until they become so weary of the limitations of their own desire that they gradually feed from heaven and the mind is able to expand and expire the fresh ideals. Eventually the ego is free to pass through these lower astral realms known as purgatory, purge finally of petty wishes and conceptions and enjoy the highest state of paradise to which is learnt to the orient and self. We have heard of the third heaven and the seventh heaven without probably giving a second thought to those terms. There are apparently vistas of amazing worlds ahead of us which only open up to our understanding and measure as we develop our minds and aspirations to meet them. We must realize that life on the physical plane is but a fraction of the whole and that the sage of yogi of both east and west is endeavoring, endow, endeavor, endeavoring to train his mind to a state of continued unbroken consciousness throughout waking, sleeping, death, and onwards to the next incarnation upon this earth. In this way, in this way does a man finally become a god. Well, guys, that's the finding of the third eye. That was chapter seven, um, birth, sleep, and death. And um, yeah, so the next is going to be, well, the next um, chapter is going to be called The Secrets of Breathing. Um, and that's going to be great. So it might have some exercises on here. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening to my podcast. I know it's a, 
is a little different type of podcast, but I want I really wanted to read this book, The Finding of the Third Eye, and I wanted to share it. And then something in me told me to read it. I don't know why something did tell me, so I decided to read it. Um, so going through it, Finding of the Third Eye. If you like it, you like it. If you don't like it, then read something else but The Finding of the Third Eye. And I'm actually reading it, reading it to you. So have fun. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Peace.